be not conformed. Romans 12, chapter 2. Be not conformed to the ways of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewed mind is an extremely important topic. As a believer, we come into the kingdom very simply. We confess with our mouth. We believe in our heart. Confessing with our mouth is the first prophetic act that we take part in in the kingdom. Confessing openly to the spirit realm and to everyone who can see you in this realm. Baptism is also a prophetic act. It's anchored in both realities. The way we're built, we're actually comprised of body, soul, and spirit. Our body is connected to this reality, but our spirit is connected to the spirit realm. We actually have dual citizenship in the spirit realm and in this realm. Paul would later give it language and say that we are seated in heavenly places. We are comprised primarily of spirit. We are spirit beings. That's why our spirit will live on for eternity. What we see in this body will, be, will decay. It will go into the ground. It will decay. Our spirit will be reunited with our glorified version of ourselves. I'm looking forward to that one. In heaven. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. I might have long hair. Sorry. Oh, man. Yeah. So our body will be glorified. And we have pictures of what that actually looks like. We see Jesus in the book of Revelation. How that he... I'm going to separate you two. That y'all, y'all, was, y'all was the ones in the back, weren't you? My body in heaven is going to be tall. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. No doubt. Let me set the stage because you guys weren't here last week. So I just want to set the stage for what we talked about last week so we can jump into this week. Because the renewed mind, it's so important that it will, it will block you if, you if you refuse to allow the process to take place for your mind to be renewed. You can actually live a life reading this and having no impact. You can, you can read this your entire life. It has no, no impact because you're taking in information, but there's no transformation taking place in here. The scriptures are important. They're very important. But Jesus actually told the Pharisees, you search the scriptures because you think in these is eternal life. These testify of me. An accurate study of the scriptures is supposed to lead you to an intimate relationship with Jesus, God himself. And we know that God is 
spirit. So it's important that we learn concepts, but it's also important that we spend time in Holy Spirit presence. We must spend time in Holy Spirit presence. His, his presence is what we steward. His presence is the one that we co-labor with. His presence is the one that we must spend time with so our spirit man can enlarge itself so we can become more spiritual. I meet believers who have very little spirituality. They actually, they read a couple verses a day and, and they go to church and, and, and they do the things that Christians do, but they don't have much discernment as far as what's happening, what's actually happening in the world. Be not conformed to this world. Be not indoctrinated to the way the world thinks. We can very easily become indoctrinated by how the world thinks by spending too much time focusing on information that the world gives us. If we spend more time watching the news than reading our Bible, your depression is self-inflicted. If we spend more time hearing the bad news of what's happening in the world than reading the good news, then your sadness is self-inflicted. Whatsoever things are pure and lovely and of a good report, think on these things, the Bible declares to us. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. A renewed mind means to be re-educated and re-indoctrinated into what God says. It says in Proverbs that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In other words, you're not intelligent. You're not even at ground level intelligence until you fear the Lord. That's where it starts. Up until that point, you're just kind of wallowing around in what the world has to say about stuff. Humanism, right? We're okay without God. We don't need God. Humanism. Whatever you think. But when you come to the Lord, that's where you actually begin to think for the first time in your life. That word conformed means indoctrinated. Do not be indoctrinated into the world's way of of thinking but be transformed that word transformed is the same Greek word used when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration and he transformed before their very eyes right have we read that it was up on that mountain where Moses and Elijah and, and Jesus were all present and Peter was so he was so touched by this encounter that he, he wanted to uh, set down roots of remembrance. He wanted to build some tabernacles and remember this moment. But it was actually a declaration from heaven of what season that we're currently in. You had Moses who represented the law. You had Elijah who represented the prophets. And then there's Jesus who represented grace, the grace we now live in, forgiveness for sins, eternal life. And God spoke out of heaven and said, this is my son, listen to him. 
It's very, very powerful. He didn't say listen to the law. The law has been fulfilled. He didn't say listen to the time of the prophets. We still have prophecy and we still have prophets, but this represented a time, the law and the prophets. He didn't say listen to them. He said listen to Jesus. So that's why Jesus is the perfect representation of God the Father. Anything that you can't see in the life of Jesus that you think is somehow attached to your theology about God, you got to move on from it. Because Jesus represents the most current, valid revelation of who God the Father is right now. So we can't get our theology from the book of Job. It's a different season. It is a different set of mechanics in the spirit realm. The enemy does not have access to accuse you to God face to face. He has to go to who? Jesus. Jesus is our advocate in the New Testament. It's important to understand when God said, this is my dear son, listen to him. You no longer listen to Moses. You no longer listen to uh, Elijah. You're listening to Jesus. Jesus is perfect theology. Everything you need to know about God is found in Jesus because God systematically unpacked himself and revealed himself many different ways in the Old Testament. And it started with his names. He revealed himself under 16 different names in the Old Testament. Why? So that we would understand his nature. He revealed himself as the healer. So why on earth would we think God would ever stop healing? It was one of the first names that he revealed himself as was the healer. The provider. So why on earth would we ever think anything less of God that he will provide for us. He revealed himself as the banner. He's that commanding presence that goes before us. In the military, if you see the banner or the guide on stuck in front of the office, you know what? The commander is in the building. God is our banner. He revealed himself in this way. Why? Because it takes us a long time to learn. It takes us a long time to learn. Not that we intentionally fight against God, but we just, he's so big, he has to unveil himself in, in, uh, in doses. And he has to build upon what we know of him Line upon line, precept upon precept. It's how knowledge is built. It's why your basic foundational theology needs to be in keeping with his nature. If it's not in keeping with his nature, you will build upon it a, a, an inferior structure. You'll have ideas about God that, that, aren't, that aren't true. That's why Paul warned us Take heed how you build on this basic premise that Jesus died for our sins. That's the foundation of it. Why did he die for our sins? Because God is first and foremost good. He is good. 
He does not send you your problems. He did not push your gas pedal to the floor and cause you to get a ticket. You just drove too fast. It's not God's fault. <laughs> we have to stop blaming God for things. We especially need to stop developing theologies that support our own personal beliefs contrary to God's nature. God is first and foremost good. So we must study God's word. It must become the foundation for thought. Any other thought, really, it comes from two different places. One, it comes from our own speculation or internal dialogue. There's a verse that says, cast down imaginations and anything that rears up its ugly head against the knowledge of God. That word imagination in the Greek means dialogismos. It means internal dialogue. It has to do with your thoughts. It has to do with how you think. It has to do with what you can imagine. Why? Because we're, we're made with the creative capacity to imagine. That's different from animals now. Animals operate out of instinct. We operate out of divine creativity. It's how we're built. We're made with God's DNA in our veins. The first breath that we breathed in was God's breath. It's what we carry. We're made in his image. We're made in his likeness. That's how precious we are. So don't ever let humanism teach you that animals and humans are equals. It, it, it's, it's a lie. It's an absolute lie. We are made in his image. Amen? Amen. Be not conformed. Be not indoctrinated to the way, the, the way this world thinks, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Our minds must be renewed because everything we bring to, with us, when we confess with our mouth, believe in our heart that Jesus is, is Lord and we are then saved we are born again guess what we still have with us all of our baggage all of the words declared over us by people who didn't love us or parents who tried to love us but didn't understand that life and death are in the power of the tongue people have told you you're not good enough you're not pretty you're not this you're not that you don't have enough hair you're too short whatever they said we bring it with us. These things must be wiped out and replaced with what? What God says. This is your identity. Everything spoken over you is a lie unless it was in keeping with this. That's how we judge prophetic words. Is it in keeping with God's word? Is it in keeping with God's nature? Is it in keeping with what God wants for us? Amen, then I receive it. If it goes contrary to God's nature, if it's contrary to God's word, if it's contrary... Now, I'm not saying look for the word you got at, at Blueprint Sunday in here. It's not going to be in here. It's a rhema word. It's, it's freshly spoken. Logos refers to the printed word. 
Rhema refers to the word freshly spoken. Both have power. This is the basis. It'll always be this. But in the anointing, the line between Logos and Rhema, they can work together. Because when you're saying what the Father's saying, it's powerful. And it carries weight. And you can use it as a weapon. It's one of the weapons of our warfare. And we're going to talk a little about, bit about that tonight. Weapons of our warfare. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. Who would like to read from their translation? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. I'll read. Mm -hmm. I have NIV. Mm -hmm. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are not with the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Mm. Mm, that's good. Anybody got any other translation? What verse was it? Mm. Chapter 10, verse what? 3-4. Mm -hmm. I got the New King James. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Mm -hmm. I got the NLV. It says, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. Wow. So Paul lets us know that we're in a war. Now, that doesn't mean we walk around, you know, feeling militant all the time. I'm, I'm not devil-centric. I honestly don't look for, for devils to cast out and, and, and things like that. I, I honestly stay focused in on what's the Lord saying in this season and what do I see the Lord doing because why that's what Jesus modeled mm -hmm. Jesus said I only say what I hear my father say I only do what I see my father do and if there was a demon in his way just long enough to get him in the crosshairs got him dealt with and he'd move on about his day why Jesus is more powerful than all of that all authority has been given to me on heaven in heaven and on earth. We have authority. Nothing will harm us. Amen? Amen? Nothing will harm us. In faith, we walk in great authority. But the weapons that he's talking about, this spiritual battle that we all face, most of it is right here. Between the ears. And he makes mention of these strongholds. And in particular in the New Living, strongholds of human reasoning. Human reasoning and ideas and speculation and imagination is what keeps most believers delayed in their development. Why? Their mind hasn't been re-educated. Our minds must be re-educated. Other believers have a combination of the two. They have a lot of scripture, and then they have a lot of ideas from the world. They don't mix. Kingdom principles work in the kingdom. 
Worldly principles work in the world. Kingdom principles work in the world because they're inferior. But worldly principles don't work in the kingdom. That's why churches split. That's why all kinds of things happen in churches. Why? We try to take worldly principles and put them in the kingdom. They don't work. The kingdom doesn't operate on anything else but love. When you try to inject fear into it, it's going to fall apart. The kingdom's different. In the kingdom, you go low to be elevated. In order to live, you die. It's completely upside down from the world. In the world, you elevate yourself. You promote yourself. In the kingdom, God promotes you in due season. God sees your work. In the world, people step on one another to get to the top. And that's how you get there. And then once you get there, you do everything you can do to stay there and suppress everyone below you. <laughs> but in the kingdom, you go, you, you get promoted by serving, by being a servant, washing feet. Completely different principles. So these, these strongholds of human reasoning I'll give you an example. There's a stronghold that can be developed in your own thinking that somehow God is against you. God is not for you. Somehow God has a plot to wipe you out. Where does that come from? It comes from bad theology. It comes from looking at the book of Job and thinking, oh, that's, that's how God does business. Actually, it's not. It's through Jesus. Everything goes through Jesus now. He's your advocate. He's your best friend. He's your savior. Jesus gives us the perfect example of who God is. So people may go years and years with that stronghold built in their thinking, and it won't allow them to see God as a loving father, as one who cares about you, as one who declares, I have plans to prosper you. That promise is for you. Amen? I have plans to prosper you. God wants to take us from glory to glory, not from failure to failure. He actually wants to take us from win to win to win to win. Why? Because Jesus has never lost. That's why there's no teaching on unanswered prayer by Jesus. He didn't have any. We're the ones that have to deal with an unanswered prayer. And what's the, what's the answer? Keep asking. There's no theology for unanswered prayers. We just keep asking. Keep asking. Keep asking. We'll keep praying for Ariana. We're not going to build a theology. We're going to say, Father, we're asking you once again, to deliver this young lady. We're asking you once again to restore her identity, purpose, and destiny. Anyone who is sick in their body, cancer, whatever, we're going to keep on praying because that's what Jesus taught. Keep asking. Keep asking. 
The stronghold of God's sovereignty is huge. It's huge. People think God's out to get them. People think God is, is, is plotting against them. All of these things are untrue. If you're in covenant with Jesus, you are in covenant with, with the one who, who paid the ultimate price. And his blood provided a sacrifice for you that has caused you to now be a son and a daughter. You are a beloved, cherished son and a daughter of God. You have an inheritance. You have access to anything you need at any moment. Hallelujah. You have access. You're not an orphan anymore. You're not fatherless anymore. You are a son. Weapons of our warfare. They're not carnal. False arguments. We've all encountered people who have a certain mode of thinking when it comes to uh, religion, when it comes to life, when it comes to any, any number of topics, politics. But I encourage you, I encourage you to dig out what this has to say. This has to be the foundation for all of it. The spirit realm is a different place. The spirit realm does not have the same laws of physics that we have here. I'll give you an example. Jesus, when the disciples let him know that there's thousands of people uh, that they were trying to get rid of him, actually. They were like, we need to let, let these people go so they can go buy food. Jesus said, you feed them. They said, we only have a few fish, a few loaves of bread. And so what Jesus did next gives us some insight into how the kingdom works. He took the loaves and the fishes and he looked up to heaven and he blessed it. Has everybody read that? He blessed it. <laughs> it, it seems very simple. It, it seems like uh, not a big deal. Like he blessed it. Okay. But when he blessed it, he transferred that physical matter from what we see and he actually brought it into the kingdom. Because in the kingdom, a little bit is a lot. Faith a size of a mustard seed can move a mountain. It doesn't take a lot in the kingdom because everything in the kingdom has potency. Does everybody understand potency? You can have a small amount of something, but it can be extremely potent, extremely powerful. In the kingdom, a little bit of a kingdom element is a lot. It becomes a multitude. It becomes powerful. So when he brought that into the kingdom and he blessed it, it now had the capacity to feed thousands Thousands of people. So when you bless your meal, what happens? You've transferred that meal from, from in the world 
you've brought it into the kingdom. And now those nutrients, they can work even better. They can, because you've blessed it. You've blessed it. You've consecrated it. You've set it apart for a specified purpose. Paul would later teach in reference to eating meat, sacrifice to idols. Who's read that portion of scripture? But he declared that anything you eat with thanksgiving is going to be just fine for you. So through blessing it, being thankful for it, the very thing that the enemy meant to harm you actually becomes good for you. Because God has the ability when we are thankful for something and we bless it to change the very nature of those elements. That's why I said pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who hate you. Why? You're turning a curse into a blessing. When we follow the words that Jesus spoke to us and the things that he demonstrated, we're actually taking that very thing that was meant to harm us, transferring it into the kingdom, and now it can bless us. The weapons of our warfare. Prayer. Jesus demonstrated true prayer. He spent time with God in prayer. He spent time alone with the Lord. He would go up to the mountains and he would spend a lot of time there praying. What did that do for him? It increased the capacity of his spirit man. Now he walked with an anointing. He walked with a presence to where he was ready to minister and serve people. He walked with an awareness that hmm, was special. And we can walk with that same awareness. Ephesians chapter 6. And I'm going to send it around the room after we get through with a few more, a few more verses. Chapter 6, verse 13, it says in the New Living, and I'll let uh, a couple of you guys read another version, but I'll read this one real quick. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth, in the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. 
who's got a, who's got another version they'd like to read. Ephesians 6 verses 13 through 17. Mm-hmm. I'm reading from the King James Version. Nice. Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore having your loins girt about you about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace above all taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God mm, that's good thank you helmet of salvation okay I, I like I, I like the way he went through each piece of natural issue armor that that Roman soldiers were given it it was common in those days these pieces of armor these these basic issue items was was indicative of a Roman soldier so this helmet of salvation it's amazing it's amazing to me how far advanced Paul was in his knowledge of basic psychology at some point you're going to have to think you're saved At some point, you're going to have to think, I'm born again. Why? Because you did what Scripture commanded. You repented of your sin. You gave your life to Jesus. You declared with your mouth. And you believed in your heart. You didn't believe with your mind. You believed with your heart. The Bible says, with the heart man believes unto righteousness. We believe with our affections. We believe was something deeper than our logic. Your heart can take you places your brain can't fit. That's why we enter the kingdom with our heart. It's different. It's different from the world. In the world, you have to understand before you believe. But the Bible says it's by faith we understand. It's by faith we understand And then the irrational, the supernatural, becomes logical. You know your mind's been renewed when the impossible seems logical. Yep, I wouldn't put it past God to do that. Boom. Congratulations. Your mind's being renewed. Because why? If we get so caught up in our own logic, we'll never understand anything anything about the kingdom because it's different god thinks different than we do he's bigger it's not that we're not intelligent we're we're extremely intelligent creatures god actually gave adam permission to speak the identity purpose and destiny of all the animals when he declared a name over an animal he actually declared their genetic makeup Where's that in the Bible, Ron? I can't prove it, but I'm just throwing it out there. It's, it's deeper than just a name. He said you can name them. With your name comes your identity. Adam spoke their identity into being. That's how, it, that's how <laughs> intelligent we are. So never, 
Never tell yourself the lie. Oh, you're, you're not intelligent. Yes, you are. God made you that way. Yes, you are. You're brilliant. The fact you gave your life to Jesus, you are brilliant. The helmet of salvation, at some point, we have to believe, hey, I'm born again. I'm saved. I'm in agreement with Jesus. I'm in covenant with him. I get all the resources available to me because I'm in covenant with Jesus. Move down in the armor. We go to the breastplate of righteousness. Our righteousness actually protects our internal organs. Some of the most important aspects about our being is protected by what? Our righteousness. Where did our righteousness come from? Did it come from our own works? No, it came through Jesus. You are protected by a breastplate of righteousness. I am righteous. Well, Ron, you know, I messed up last week. Did you repent? Yep. Move on from it. I don't do the guilt and shame thing anymore. I don't. I don't have time for it, and it's not even biblical. It's not. Repent and move on. This whole life is a life journey, a learning process. If we live in guilt and shame, we're living in a reality that don't even exist. It's demonic. Anxiety and fear didn't even show up until after Adam and Eve sinned. Anxiety and fear does not even exist in heaven. It's a fiery dart. We're protected from the fiery darts of the enemy with this armor. The fiery dart, the thoughts that tell you, oh, you're not righteous. Oh, you're not born again. Oh, you're not saved. Come on, man. It's a lie. Get out of here with that mess, devil. Get out of here. It's a lie. It's not what God's word said. You are righteous. You are right with God. It's by faith in Jesus we're declared right with God. Not from our own works. It'll never be. Cast down and demolish that thought when it comes your way. You are righteous. Man of God woman of God. You're precious in his sight. You are a saint. I'm not going to pray to you when you die, but you are a saint. Amen? Amen. Belt of truth. Now everybody, let's just face it, not everybody's ready for the truth. Not everybody can handle the truth, right? But what does the truth do? <laughs> It sets you free, and it also, huh? It 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 keeps it keeps this whole region, right here, secure. Truth secures us. It secures our ability to hold other weapons. Where was the sword located? It was put right through the belt, the belt of truth. The belt of truth actually has the capacity to hold other truth. A belt was usually worn by prophets. And when prophets had a belt, it was normally a leather belt. 
It was prophetic. They wore a belt of truth everywhere they went. But what Jesus taught us to do was season truth. Not everybody's ready for all of the truths that we want to tell them. So we season it. We season it, the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's how we season it, like Johnny's. You season it. You say, brother, I got some truth for you. Really? Yeah, but I'm going to have to season this thing, okay? So let's pray. That's how you get through conversations like that. Let's pray together. Boom. And then you season that truth. That's what we're supposed to do with one another, loving one another, seasoning the truth. But we carry a belt of truth. Helmet of salvation. Breastplate of righteousness. Belt of truth. What's the next one? Yeah, yeah. So we've got, so we've got these... The preparation of the gospel is, is the King James translation of it, right? We, we have these, these sandals, these, the preparation of the gospel. How beautiful are the feet of those who carry the gospel. Anytime feet is mentioned in scripture, it has to do with a message. You have a message. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word illuminates the pathway for the message that I carry. We carry a message, the gospel message, the good news. What's the good news? That Jesus died for your sins, that you can be set free, that you don't have to live with depression, that you don't have to live with anxiety, that you don't have to be in bondage to the things of this world. And finally, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. What I like about this particular chapter is the word used in the Greek there is rhema. The sword of the Spirit. Rhema, we can carry rhema with us. Rhema is a weapon in the spirit realm. There's two types of basic prophecy. You can be foretelling or you can be foretelling. Lots of people love the foretelling part because you can tell someone this is going to happen. You're, you're decreeing it. You're declaring it. But the other one is the foretelling. The foretelling is the Lord is letting you know that this can happen, but you're going to have to co-labor with the process. You're going to have to co-labor with it. You're going to have to come into agreement with that word. You're going to have to work it out. You're not going to get all the details yet, but he's going to walk with you through the process. Forth telling words of prophecy, those are different. Not everybody wants to co-labor with them. That's why if you're in a season where the Lord's not speaking to you as much as you want, what he might want you to do is go back and look at the words you already got. You, you might not be in agreement with them. <laughs> because you've received something that's been forthtelling. You've received something that is, is in need of agreement. 
the bigger the word, the more agreement you got to get in, in, in with it. I've got some words that I have no idea how they're going to come to pass, but I'm in agreement with them. I'm, I'm in that vein. I'm working with it. The sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So they use rhema. We know rhema is freshly spoken, but it's also the logos. It's also this. They're both weapons. They're both weapons. Even though they use rhema in that instance, they're both weapons. God's word and rhema are both weapons in the spirit realm. Why do we know that? Because John's vision of Jesus in Revelation, when he saw Jesus speak, what came out of his mouth? A two-edged sword. In the spirit realm, words are weapons. Words are weapons in the spirit realm. That's why it's important that we understand that both life and death is in the power of the tongue. May we never declare death over anyone. May we never get involved in slander and gossip. May we never get involved in someone else's issue that we don't have a solution for and we don't plan on praying about. We just want to get in the conversation because we love gossip. Oh, stay away from it, children. Stay away from it. It does you no good. It harms relationships. It tears God's people apart. James said every wild animal on this planet has been tamed except the tongue. Powerful. If we can learn the power, because there is power, life and death are in the power of the tongue. So I'm not saying get afraid to speak. That's not the way the kingdom operates. The kingdom is a permissive culture. God says go after it. Go for it. Trust me. Move a mountain. He, he, lo he loves declaring that stuff. He loves letting us know anything's possible. He wants to build within us the ability to trust him for anything. So he's not telling you to be afraid to speak. We just need to understand that we need to speak life. Life. If somebody comes to you and needs encouragement, speak life. If someone comes to you and has an offense against someone else. Hey, don't partake in it. Don't add death to it. Just say, let's speak life into the situation because it's, it's life that we need. Mm -hmm. It's life-giving words that build relationships. Life. Melody and I, we've always had this thing, man. We don't go to bed angry. We don't. And, and there's times we'll wake each other up. We'll wake each other up and say, hey, 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 hey. Let's get this thing sorted out. Let's get it, let's get it worked out because, because why? I love you. <laughs> I love you too much for you to just go to bed and us not talk about it. And not work it out. Jesse's trying to go to bed. 
The sword of the spirit. Rhema. We know Logos is, is also the sword of the spirit, but I want to focus on Rhema. Why is Rhema so powerful? With, with words, God spoke the world into existence. He formed us. He formed us out of the basic elements you find in nature and dirt. All those elements. Carbon. He formed us. But he spoke everything else into existence. That's how powerful his word is. He created us with the capacity to speak things into existence. Not physical elements. Boom. Uh, be thou appearest a uh, whatever. No. We speak more important things like identity, purpose, destiny with the word of prophecy you can turn someone's life on a dime because when you speak that word of prophecy you're speaking to their spirit man you're speaking to the part that actually knows their identity but doesn't know it logically they've buried it away we might call it the subconscious in science, but it's buried away. But a word of prophecy that reaches deep inside to the part that we didn't even know was there and awakens it. When Samuel prophesied over Saul, he became a different man, period. Everything was different from that day on. That's why Paul said, Desire earnestly all the spiritual gifts, all nine of them, but especially that you prophesy. Especially because you carry the capacity to create. Why is a prophetic culture important? Because without it, you're left to speculation and imagination. Most of us have speculated and imagined what God's will is before. Amen? Raise your hand if you've done that. Speculated and imagined what it might be. If you're not getting his will from this, for whatever reason, maybe you're not in a season where you're in the right area, whatever, a prophetic culture can aid in the process of you understanding direction. It's so powerful that Jesus used it. Jesus, who would agree Jesus is pretty powerful? When he met Saul, when Saul was on his way to kill more Christians, Jesus appeared to him, correct? And what did he say to him? He, he said some stuff, right? Hey, what are, you, what are you doing? Why are you kicking against me? And then he said, I'm going to send you to Ananias. Who was Ananias? A prophet. Now here's Jesus who knows everything who would rather send him to a prophet because the prophet was going to help Paul build relationships. He was going to help Paul dig out his identity, his purpose, and his destiny. 
the body of Christ works like that. If we all didn't need each other, we would all just, we wouldn't even be here. We'd all be at our house like this. We need teachers. We need prophets. We need pastors. We need all of us together. We have the mind of Christ collectively. If only one of us had the mind of Christ, we would get really proud and we would start a really big ministry. We need each other. We would get far too famous to even handle it if we cared that much. We need one another. So we depend on one another. We get prophetic words from one another. That doesn't mean you got to receive everything. And, and if somebody's having a day where it just doesn't sound right, it's okay. Thank you, brother. Thank you, sister. I appreciate that. And just shelf it for a while. You can pray about it. You don't have to put them on blast and call them a false prophet and all this stuff. Just shelf it for a while. It's okay. <laughs> That's how we love one another. Helmet of salvation. Breastplate of righteousness. Belt of truth. Sword of the Spirit. And what I love about this sword, before I send it around the room, is if those fiery darts, oh yeah, shield of faith. Shield of faith. So you got this shield. Faith, your faith shields you. It's, a, it's another protective measure. If the fiery darts get past the shield of faith, you have your breastplate of righteousness. But with this shield of faith, faith, without faith it's impossible to please God. So the opposite is true. With faith, you'll always please God. Faith. The shield of faith that protects you from these fiery darts, that protects you from these onslaughts of the enemy in your thought life, that protects you from these, these speculations that you're not good enough, that you're, you don't know enough, you don't know enough Bible. Big deal. I know some people who have a powerful ministry. They don't spend that much time in the Word, but they know enough to go out and tell someone about Jesus. You'll learn as you go. Trust me. We're all learning. All of us are learning. Every pastor you meet, they're still learning. Every prophet you meet, they're still learning. We'll learn together. And then finally, this, this sword of the Spirit, it's both offensive and it can be used to minister to yourself. Because if one of those fiery darts gets past your shield of faith and somehow penetrates you through you know, through a vital place. You can use that sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and you can dig that arrow out, and you can minister to yourself with it. You can, you can just get in there and read those verses of Scripture that you need. You can read those verses of Scripture that, that are going to bless you, all those promises. The sword of the Spirit, the word of the Lord, it can be used to chop things up in the spirit realm, but it can also be used to minister to yourself. These weapons that we have, they're plenty. They're plenty to get us through. They're plenty to help us reach our, our true purpose, our true identity.